Good morning. We have guests here today. Today is the See You Friday. Y'all stand up. If you are a guest here today, stand up. Let us welcome you to chapel. You gotta stand up. Stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It is our honor to have you here. Thank you for being here. All right, we're in Psalm 34. So if you looked at the schedule, I pulled a switch. We're doing Psalm 34 today. Psalm 34 is where we're gonna land. I'm gonna set this up. We'll see what we get through. If we don't finish it, then so be it. This text, I don't think I can do justice to in the time that we have. So I'm gonna try. And what I want, I wanna set this up in a way so you understand the importance of taking notes on this and getting it right. So get your Bible out, Psalm 34, get your notes out. I'm not gonna make you stand to read. I'm not gonna read the whole thing at one time. I'm gonna read it as we walk through it. I'm gonna have it for you on the screens if you're a guest and didn't bring your Bible. But get your notes out because every single person in this room will need this text at some point in your life. You may not need it today, but you will at some point in your life need this text. It's that good. So I wanna pray and then I wanna set it up and then I wanna see if we can walk through it and see what happens. All right, dear Lord, I can't do this justice. I don't know that anybody can. Lord, this word is a good word to us. And so would you just help guide my thoughts and my words? Would you help all of us to be able to have the spirit speak to us where we need to be spoken to, to remember this text, to look into this text, to lean into what it's saying to us? Lord, would you tie my words to it? Would you help us just to have fun as we walk through it, as we look through it? Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 34 at the top. It says, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Abimelech's the title of a king. If you look back in 1 Samuel 21, which is what this is referencing, it's Achish is the actual name of the king, but like we call the Pharaoh's Pharaoh, every Pharaoh's Pharaoh, uh, Abimelech would have been the title of a king. It's hard to know exactly how much emphasis to put on the titles when they're in the Psalms like this. And so some people don't put a lot of emphasis on them. Some do. Um, it's hard to know exactly how to weigh this out, but I'm gonna give you the background because I do, I do think it helps us as we walk through this. And as we look through the Psalm, it, it very well could fit exactly what's happening here. So put your thinking caps on, jump back in your Bible. You don't have to turn there. I'm gonna tell you the story. First uh, Samuel 21. So when you're walking through First Samuel 21, Think about David. He's already slayed Goliath. After he has slayed Goliath, he's, he's ministering to Saul through the heart. Saul's getting mad at him. He and Jonathan are really good friends. And so he says to Jonathan, you remember the story, is your dad out to kill me? And they concoct this whole thing before he's not gonna go to dinner and then Jonathan's gonna shoot the arrow and if he says certain things, well, that gives the indication. And what happens there is that Saul's out to kill David. What did David do? He killed Goliath. He did what God told him to. And now somebody's out to kill him. He, he doesn't deserve this, right? And so then his best friend, it says with Jonathan, that they were there together. And when he told him, my dad's out to kill you. Now, that would be an awkward conversation for you to have with one of your friends, right? Hey, buddy, my dad's gonna kill you. You better leave. So they're having this conversation. It says they wept. But then the text there in Samuel says, but David wept more. So he sat, he flees, he doesn't have his best friend, he doesn't have his parents with him. There's somebody out to kill him. 
He goes in and talks to the priest and he's hungry and he convinces the priest to feed him with the showbread. And then he doesn't have a sword to defend himself with. So he says to the priest, hey priest, do you have a sword here? And the priest goes, oh yeah, well we have the sword of Goliath. What a coincidence. I know that guy. I've used that sword before. I cut his head off with it. Can I have the sword? So David gets the sword of Goliath being chased and hunted, alone, lonely, perhaps crushed in spirit because he just lost his best friend and he's been chased from everything he knows. And where does he flee to? Uh, I can't explain why. Where does he flee to? He goes to this place called Gath. Does that ring a bell to you? Goliath from? Oh, come on now. Y'all know this story from, from way back. Nine foot, nine inches tall, Goliath from Gath, the big beastly dude. He gets the sword of the champion that he killed and cut off his head with, and he goes to Gath. I don't know what you're thinking, David. Maybe David's thinking, Saul will never look for me in Gath. But does he really think he can fly incognito in Gath with the sword of Goliath on his hip? Now, this is like, gosh, I don't know if there's no comparison. But this is like your arch enemy. Who's the team you hate the most in football? Okay, let's shout it out all at one time. Who's the team you hate the most? Okay, I heard the Browns, so. Just kidding. I heard Michigan, actually, which is that, that school up north. Okay. Whatever it is, this is like you just destroyed your enemy and then you go onto their campus sporting the jersey and maybe even holding the game football. And you're expecting you're not gonna get in a fight before you walk off that campus. Like he's, he's there in Gath with the sword and then he, it, says, it says in the text, he feared the king. Well, yeah, you should. I mean, you're asking for a fight. So where is David when we start jumping into this text? Let's, he has just been told somebody's out to kill him. He's lonely. His best friends are not around. His family's not around. All of his circumstances are changed. He's got the sword of the guy that he killed and he goes to his hometown and the king of the hometown, he is right there before him. And so then David acts like he's absolutely insane to get out of the situation. It says he let his spit run down his beard. And the king says, why don't you bring me a madman? Don't I have enough of these around here? Get rid of this dude. And he leaves. Can you relate to that? Can anybody in the room relate to ever feeling lonely? Anybody ever felt lonely? Can anybody relate to ever feeling like you were pretending to be something you're not? Can anybody in the room relate to not being with your friends or your family and the things that you are accustomed to. And every freshman in the room raised their hand. <laughs> Any of you feel like you need to cry out for help? You had that first test. And even though you're a 4.0 student, you made a C on that test. And you're like, what is this place? I've never made a C in my life. Who is this prof who likes to torture us as students? Mom, I, I'm coming home. And mom says, no, we've already changed your bedroom into another exercise room or you're not coming home. You sleep on the couch. 
And you're like, mom, I don't have a room anymore. Where do I go? You go to Psalm 34. That's where you go. So some of you are in the room right now and life is great. You're not a freshman, you're a sophomore. You got a date with that girl. And all your friends are here. You couldn't wait to get back on campus because life's different. Freshman first semester is hard. Sophomore, junior, senior first semester is awesome. Now senior second semester, they're the ones that are gonna be struggling. Freshman second semester, you're gonna be like, man, I got this. What's wrong with you seniors? We have to leave. Seniors, what do you do? Graduate. <laughs> See, some of you are happy about that. Then you're gonna go get a job and then you know what you're gonna need? Psalm 34, I'm just saying to you. So here's our main idea. Let's jump into it. We'll walk through it. Hopefully we'll have fun walking through it. We'll walk through it. Here's the main idea. So the writer of the Psalm, I presume from the title it's David, but the writer of the Psalm here, Psalm 34, having personally experienced God's deliverance, he invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't feel like the Lord is good right now. It doesn't change the truth that the Lord is still good. Dear student, guest, parent, everybody in this room, in your life, you will go through something that's hard. You will go through a moment that causes you to question, is God good? You will go through a moment where you don't feel like God is good. You don't feel like God may even be there or that God may care or that God may know what's going on. And here is my fear for you and here is my push and admonition to you today is when you go through those hard times, you're gonna turn to something. I want you to turn to what's right and what's true and what's good for your own benefit. The world cannot get you through these tough times. The world has nothing to offer you. But God's word does. And you can taste and see that the Lord is good. So our application at the end is gonna be our outline at the beginning. So here's your outline. This is how we're gonna walk through this. This is what we're gonna see. We'll come back to it at the end. We'll wrap it up, put a bow on it, and keep going. When life seemingly falls apart. Now, sometimes it's not falling apart. You just think it is. But you don't understand. She broke up with me. Yeah, she's not the one God had for you anyway. Get over it. But when life seemingly falls apart... What am I supposed to do? Well, here it is. Whether you feel like it or not, you're gonna worship the Lord because that's what we do and he is worthy of worship. Whether you feel like it or not, you're gonna seek the Lord. Whether you feel like it or not, you're gonna fear the Lord and whether you feel like it or not, you're gonna take refuge in the Lord. And then when you do those things, we're gonna walk through the text and see them. When you do those things, at the end of it, what are you gonna do? You are gonna be able to say, because I've been delivered by the Lord, I wanna encourage others to taste and see that the Lord is good. So let's jump right in here, point number one. Point number one is worship the Lord. We're gonna look at verses one through three. You've got the setting, here's what David writes. Verse number one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. 
Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So walk through the text with me here. Let's look at it. I will. Not I might. Not I'm thinking about. I will. I will bless the Lord. Bless, say a good word about. I will say a good word about the Lord. I will testify to the Lord's goodness at all times. I wake up this morning and I don't feel like it. I don't want to go to chapel again today. I don't want to go. I just don't feel like it. You don't understand what happened at all times. Whether you feel like it or whether you don't feel like it. Whether you wake up in a good mood, whether you stayed up too late and you're in a bad mood. Whether your coffee was good this morning or whether it wasn't good this morning. You're gonna bless the Lord because that's what we do at all times. His praise, now notice, bless, praise, boast in the Lord, magnify the Lord, exalt the Lord. I've wrapped all these up in the word worship the Lord. We worship the Lord through music, we sing, we worship the Lord through his word, we worship the Lord through prayer. Through all of these things, we're gonna worship the Lord. When you get up and everything is rotten, gosh, we had the Punzi family. I, I, I think about them. You lose your husband in your 20s and you have a child you do not wake up the next morning feeling like worshiping the Lord. That doesn't happen. You don't wake up the day after that or the day after that or the day after that. You don't wake up feeling like you wanna go worship the Lord. You wake up feeling like, how am I gonna make it through this? And what you do is one day at a time, you get up and you go and you worship the Lord and you take the next step and you keep getting up and going and worshiping the Lord. And student, when that hard time hits your life, when you have that miscarriage, when something falls apart, you get, a, you get fired from your job, when everything seems like there's nowhere you can turn, what do you do? Whether you feel like it or not, you worship the Lord. Because whether you feel like it or not, God is good. And whether you feel like it or not, he's still in control. If you're here right now, and you're that freshman I was talking about, and you say, oh, there's no freshman like that. Yeah, there is. Just look on the Parent Connect page. It's all over the place. <laughs> yes, I do watch it. I don't respond on it, but I do watch it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Now it's gonna blow up. If, if you're in this room and you're a freshman right now, and your thought is, I gotta go home. You want, I want you to notice where David turns. I want you to notice who David seeks. Because God wants you to do more than stay home. God wants you to do more than be in, guys, mama's basement, playing Xbox or PlayStation, pick your device. No, go change the world for Jesus Christ. Life's falling apart, what do we do? We worship the Lord. Here it is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise continually in my mouth. What comes out of my mouth, I start to believe. If all I'm ever doing is talking bad about things and questioning everything, it tends to get in my head. If I'm praising the Lord all the time, if I'm listening to good music, that gets in my head too. I, my soul, my very inner soul is gonna make its boast in the Lord. I have nothing to offer. Friends, I have nothing to offer you. Your life falls apart and you call me, I'll come pray with you, I will, I will cry with you, I will sit there and be there with you, but I can't fix it. I can't do anything about it and neither can all of your other faculty members. All we can do is point you to the one who can. So we will boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear. We can't, but he can and be glad. Oh, and here David invites us all into it. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Listen, friends, I'm hurting. I don't know if I can do this thing. So you come magnify the Lord with me. Because every day when we show up in here in chapel, there's somebody that's having a really bad day. There's somebody that really needs some encouragement. And if you're beside that person and you have no clue, you're singing and worshiping the Lord out loud. Your praise, your kind word to them can be the encouragement that they need that day to keep taking that next step forward. So friends, every day we show up in chapel, whether we feel like it or not, magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name together. Worship the Lord. Second thing we're gonna do whether we feel like it or not, is seek the Lord. Look at what it says in verse four. Verse four, it says, I sought. Well, now you see where I got it, right? Seek, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Wait, wait, wait a second. Don't skim past that because we know from Sunday school, the Lord hears and answers. This is a guy testifying about a really hard time in life where he thought everything was falling apart and the king was after him to kill him and the king Akish of Gath was after him to kill him and he doesn't have a clue what's gonna do and what does he say do when everything's falling apart? He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. God, are you out there? And David says, yes, he's there for you. You may not see him. It may not feel like it because you're in a funk. That's okay, David was too, but he's there for you. I sought the Lord, he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Now this word fear is not the same word that we're gonna see when we get down to verse nine. This word fear is the word for terror. Terror, David in sheer terror. Now I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. Because when I think about David, too often we make out David to be the guy that's way up here on the pedestal. Slay your giants, because you can be like David. That's not what that text is about anyway, but besides that point, you think David's up here, David is never afraid of anything. David was the guy who in the nine foot, nine inch tall dude down bottom called everybody out, and all of these army people who had been warriors from their life were sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. David walks up and says, give me my slingshot. Mic drop. I'll take a stone and take you out. Sheer terror. So, all right, stand up, and I'm gonna be for God no matter what happens. I'm gonna call down fire on Mount Carmel. And two days later, I'm gonna be scared of some woman coming after me. That's the way it works, people. We have some good days where we do some really good things for the Lord and then we have some days where we are just in utter terror before God. And here it says, he delivered me from all my fear, which means he had to have it. So if you're here and you're afraid, good company. Those who look to him, look to him. You can underline that if you underline because this is where we seek the Lord. I sought the Lord. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Look at what he says in verse six. This poor man, David calling himself the poor man, what did he do? He cried out. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Now, we know the story. It's not like God came down, snapped his fingers, and said, now you're king. 
He was in caves and he was on the run and he was trying to do all this other stuff. He didn't solve it immediately, but this is the testimony of somebody who continually sought the Lord and the Lord took care of all of his problems. And then in verse seven, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now, here in this particular verse, I think back to Elisha in 2 Kings chapter six. They walk out and the servant says, oh, Elisha, we're in trouble. Look at all of the armies here. They're after you because apparently you've been whispering the king's secrets. And so Israel knows what's gonna happen and all of this takes place and they're gonna kill us. And Elisha prays and says, Lord, would you let him see what's out here? And the chariots and the horses all around. If you're in the room right now and you wonder, does God even know? He knows. Does God even care? He cares. Does God have the answer? He does. He might want you to seek him a little more before he ever provides it to you, but he's got it. So what do we do when it seems like life's falling apart? We worship the Lord. And then secondly here, we see we seek the Lord. And when we do, look at what happens in verse eight. Oh, taste and see. The first imperatives of this psalm. Taste and see. It's a command to us all. Seek him. And after you've sought him, taste and see. The Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, taste and see. I just just gotta pause here for just a second. I should read the next two verses and then I'll come back to it. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Look at what it says here in verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So let's go back to verse eight. Taste and see. How many of you have ever been in a place where somebody says, oh, you gotta taste this? It's really good. So I grew up a preacher's kid. Here's the deal. I would go to people's houses and they would serve this thing called coconut pie. You ever heard of it? Any of you like it? God bless you people. I'm praying for you. Y'all are wrong. I hate coconut. I hate the texture of it. I don't even know if it has a flavor because you put it in your mouth and it's like I got a hair in my mouth or something. It's like, <laughs> you, you, you put coconut in your mouth and then I'm like, I scrape the taste off my tongue. I do not want that ever again. What is this demonic force that God has placed in the world? If you love coconut, don't be offended. I'm just having fun. So I realized as a deceptive, sinful little boy, if I told people I don't like coconut, they would say this to me, but you've never tried mine. Listen, unless you've changed it to where it's not coconut, I don't care what you did to it. It's still coconut. I don't like coconut. It's got the same texture. Coconut messes up everything. It can mess up ice cream. It can mess up chocolate. Coconut ruins the whole world. And they would always say this, oh, but you gotta taste mine. No, I don't. Why do you not like me? So I realized as a young boy with a very deceptive mind and a sinful spirit, if I told them I was allergic to it, they would not tell me to taste it. They would bring me something else that was actually good. So as a young boy, I started telling people I'm allergic to coconut. Oh, well, don't touch this. It's got coconut in it. Thank you. (laughs) Would you like something else? 
Well, sure I would. Thank you. What would you like? Got any ice cream without coconut? Yes. All right, great. Man, this is awesome. I did that so long that one day my mom asked me, so why are you allergic to coconut again? And I'm like, mom, I'm not allergic to coconut. Well, have you told everybody you're allergic to coconut? Well, you know, an allergy has a reaction and the reaction is every time I put it in my mouth, it has a bad taste, so I'm allergic to coconut. Like that's how, yeah, that's wrong. It's called lying. It's a sin. I'm confessing before all of you, right? This is not coconut. Taste. Do y'all like that? You see how I try to pull that in? Taste and see. This is not broccoli. Somebody said broccoli's good. God bless you. Yeah. I eat broccoli because I'm old and I have to. I never would choose to eat broccoli. Like, whatever. I do eat it now because my wife makes me and I do what I'm told. But um, just kidding. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, here's what I want to tell you. David, when life was falling apart, said, worship the Lord, seek the Lord, and when you do, you're gonna taste and see that the Lord is good. Is God good? Yes, he is. I stand here today telling you there have been moments in my life where I have been at the pits, at the bottom. There's been moments in my life where I didn't wanna go on. I didn't care. There's a moment in my life where I'm laying in the driveway in the middle of a thunderstorm. Yes, that's stupid. My wife's just sitting out there because I'm done. I don't want it anymore. And what I can tell you from my testimony is that when you don't feel like it, you worship the Lord and you seek the Lord. And when you do, you're gonna come out of that valley eventually and you're gonna taste and see that the Lord is good. So friends, write it down. What do I do when life is falling apart? I worship the Lord. I don't want to sing. I don't care. I worship the Lord. I don't want to read my Bible today. I don't care. I worship the Lord. I seek the Lord. And then he goes on because he doesn't stop there. After he seeks the Lord, we fear the Lord. In verse 9, I'm reading it again because it connects to both sections. Fear the Lord. For his saints, those who fear him have no lack. And then look at what it says over here on the next one. It says, the young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. The young lion with all of his strength, all of his prowess, he's still gonna have want. But those who fear the Lord, you're gonna have every good thing. Now remember, it's the good thing. Maybe not everything you want, but what you need. And then it says, come on, children, listen to me. The teacher's coming out in David. He's transitioned. Testimony time. Worship the Lord. He's going to deliver you. Seek the Lord. He's going to deliver you. Now teach time. Fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is there who does not desire life and love many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. All of these commands start rolling out here. These commands start telling us what happens when we fear the Lord. When we fear the Lord, what's our life gonna look like? And then in verses 15, 16, he says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Does the Lord hear you? The text says 
The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are toward your cry. The Lord hears you. The Lord knows. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Here it is just real briefly. When you fear the Lord, your application of this is that you will, number one, desire good. You see it right there in verse 12. What is it? Who is there who desires life and loves many things that he may see good? When I fear the Lord, I wanna do what is good. God defines what is good, not humanity. Keep my tongue from evil. Number two, we're gonna speak truth. Keep our lips from speaking deceit. We're gonna speak truth. So don't go out and tell people you're allergic to coconut. Number three, what are we gonna do? Pursue peace. We're gonna turn away from evil and do good. We're gonna seek peace and pursue it. We're gonna pray passionately. We're gonna cry out because the Lord's ears are towards our cry. We're gonna seek, we're gonna turn away. We're gonna cry out to the Lord. And then we're gonna trust God because the text tells us his eyes are already on us. His ear is already towards us. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off their memory. I wake up and I don't feel like it. I'm gonna worship the Lord. I'm gonna seek the Lord. I'm gonna fear the Lord and live life like I fear the Lord. And then number four, I'm gonna take refuge in the Lord. Look at what it says here. Before we read verse 17, go back to verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What does it say in the second part of that? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I'll come back to that. Verse 17, when the righteous cry, cry out in passionate prayer for help, the Lord hears, and notice it says delivers. Now, in this portion of the text, it's got delivers, saves, delivers, keeps, and redeems. Here's what the Lord's gonna do for you. When the Lord, when we cry out, the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now, notice also in this, you're gonna have troubles, you're gonna have afflictions. You are never promised you're gonna have a perfect life. If you think I'm gonna be a Christian so everything will be absolutely perfect, you were sold something that's not Christianity. I'm a Christian because I'm a sinner in need of a savior and God died for me on the cross and I'm pleading to the mercy of the cross to be saved and reconciled to my creator. That doesn't mean everything in life's gonna go perfectly. So when I cry out, the Lord's gonna deliver us from our troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What do I do when my heart is broken? What do I do when I just feel like I'm absolutely crushed and I can go no further? The Lord is near. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps his bones. Not one of them is broken. John quotes this in John 16, 33 to talk about Jesus. Affliction will slay the, the wicked, but those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Look at what it says in verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Here we see it in verse 22. Take refuge in the Lord. We see it at the end of verse eight. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We ended our last sermon with it in Psalm 2, chapter 2, verse 12, where it said, blessed is the person who takes refuge in the Lord. So dear friend, what do you do? Life is completely falling apart. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. When you get up that morning, we're right back to our outline. 
which is our application. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to fear the Lord. And I'm going to take refuge in the Lord. And when you do these things, do you know what's going to happen on the other side of it? You and I both will say, having personally experienced God's deliverance, I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Dear student, now or whenever you're going through a hard time, I want you to know you are loved. We love you, but more importantly, God loves you. That's what you do when life is falling apart. Dear God, would you help us to remember this when the time is right and when the time is near and when we need it? Lord, would you help any student in the room right now who's struggling, who needs this word, would you help them to wake up tomorrow and worship you, to seek you, to fear you, and to take refuge in you? God, you are our hope, you are our strength, you are our deliverer, you are the only one that can comfort our broken hearts and our crushed spirit in the way that we need. Lord, the world has nothing to offer us, so help us not to seek anything the world puts forward, but Lord, help us to seek you for your glory and for our great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.